Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 184. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and celebrated comic book writer and podcaster, Samuel George London. Hello, everybody. Sam, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. good. So, right, I'm all the way in Hampshire, which is about an hour west of London. It's been a super sunny day here. Um, about, you know, edging on 30 degrees Celsius. So maybe that's kind of like in the 90s, I think. 90 degrees. I think so. I think so. Um, off the yeah. top of my head. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I've, I've had a very, very pleasant Saturday. <laughs> okay, good. So, yeah, you were out and about enjoying the sun. I know that we had I'm, – I'm trying to – I'm doing the math in my head because I remember when – I was in your neck of the woods a few years ago. I would set the temperature in the air conditioner to 18 degrees. Mm. And that is a nice chilly Celsius. And mm-hmm. I think that's about, from a Fahrenheit perspective, it's about 67 degrees, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, or 60. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so 30. That That's uh, 30 degrees is a, is a kind of a warm day. Yeah, it's tasty. It's been a really, it's been a really warm day today, and it's going to be right. the same tomorrow, I believe. So, um, every everybody's heading to the beach, um, which we're doing tomorrow. We didn't go today, but we'll be going tomorrow. So that'd be nice. You'd be going tomorrow. Well, good. So, is that is that a pair of boxing gloves behind you that I see? Yes, that's right. So these boxing gloves are my wife's grandfather's, and he was a physical trainer in the French Navy in World War Two. So these have been on a French warship in World War II. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I just kind of hang them there. It's kind of like a kind of I don't know. Like it's it's a nice memento, really. And this is my actual my actual punching bag. So okay. I actually I actually use that outside, like with my own gloves. I don't use like the the seventy year old gloves. <laughs> I, I use uh, I use some MMA gloves, but uh, yeah. Right. So that's the thing. So that you know, you keep those gloves there to remind you to you know just you know keep keep, on fighting. keep, keep fighting the good fight. You know when it comes to yeah, the yeah. creativity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, Maybe that's yeah. what I'm doing subconsciously. But I will now say that, like you know, <laughs> that's why I do it. <laughs> so you ha- so 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 Sam, you have a highly successful successful podcast uh, called uh, Comics for the Apocalypse. You also have an amazing array of comic book titles. Some of the more popular ones you have is Milford Green, which is this late nineteenth century sci-fi adventure about a spaceship crashing into uh, the the British countryside. Um, you also have Project Hoax, which is fairly recent. You also have mm-hmm. some of the your most recent work is your um, Band of Warriors, which is a Celtic slash Greek uh, god mix up, mashup. Myth- mythological mashup is is kind of there you go. the idea. I'm I'm currently on yeah. a, up to issue two has been released. I'll probably be kickstarting issue three, kind of September. Um, okay. and I'm hoping to kind of get more ducks in a row so I can kind of have shorter time period between issues at the moment. Right. 
um but uh yeah we, we're kind of i'm kind of set to kind of like take it off um in a in a bigger um and uh more um kind of mythical an even more mythical direction basically right so we'll, we'll jump in and we'll start talking about some of that stuff and i know that uh kind of get started by kind of talking about your background and how you kind of started getting into writing comics. And I know you kind of got your inspiration. You rekindled your inspiration in writing comics after finding out that the walking dead was based off of a comic book and that kind of got you going again. Correct. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Um, so uh, what was this? This was like probably 2015, something like that. Um, that I started, you know, just watching The Walking Dead like everybody else. Um, and, uh, yeah, I discovered that it was it was actually a comic book series that was still going on at the time. Um, and I thought, oh, that sounds cool. So, you know, just check it out. And then, you know, you end up with, like, all of the compendiums later, which I've got, like, just all here. Like, I ended up... Thankfully, I was coming into The Walking Dead, you know, the comic book series at a time when I was able to buy the first three compendiums. So I, I had like all three compendiums to like read kind of back to back, which is kind of about as binge binge as you can get in terms of like reading. Right. Um, and that was amazing. Um, it just blew me away. Um, the comics were, were like this because, of course, like, you know, every other British kid. You were, I was reading Beano and Dandy um, when I was younger, um, but it didn't go any further than that for me, um, really, to be honest. Um, I was I was too busy BMXing and uh, skateboarding, rollerblading, um, and all of that jazz, basically. Um, right. uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was amazing to, as you say, kind of, you know, uh, ignite that love of of comic books um and it just led led from there you know you find out about invincible um and then you find out about saga you find out about a host or whole host of other series that have been going on for kind of years and years and you right. just you just wonder what why have i never kind of you know got into this before but yeah. so you you so my question to you is specifically you decided to do comic book writing. Was there any idea of going it alone by just doing long form prose? Because your storylines are mm. incredibly good and they, they're versatile. They could have been, Milford Green mm. could have been a, a long form story. Were you just yeah. set on just saying, I'm just going to do these as comic book stories? Yeah. So over the years, I had, I had tried to write prose before mm. and I've just. <laughs> I've never really been able to take to it properly. I don't think. Mm. Maybe, maybe in the future, you know, um, I can I can try again. Um, now that I'm kind of more of a, a seasoned writer, like somewhat seasoned writer, um, mm. but you know, it's it's never taken. But when I kind of you know really got into comics and started to get a real feel for for how they were structured, and then I started. Uh, reading books on on how to actually write comics um, and even you know just blogs and things like that a whole host of other things mm. um, then I, I kind of that really you know piqued my interest because it felt like 
I don't know, just my mindset was more in tune with how to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, just my my first uh, first comic book that I wrote was was Milford Green. Um, and uh, thankfully, yeah, it was it was a success kind of straight off the bat on Kickstarter. Um, and it's, it's, it's all about those small successes at the start just to get you going. And, you know, um, thank thank God that it, that happened. And uh, yeah, here we are today, like several titles later. <laughs> so talk about your inspiration behind Milford Green. It's a great concept. How what was the inspiration behind it? Yes. Yeah, so, um, as I said, I'm, I'm from Hampshire. And we've got a lot of kind of, if you think of the Shire from Lord of the Rings, it's kind of, it's kind of like that, basically, mm. uh, in a way. Um, and uh, yeah, we were just literally walking um, in South Downs National Park, just in the hills there. There's a lot of um, rapeseed oil fields there, which is like, it was like the yellow flowers and things, the yellow flower um crops um mm. that they use to make kind of oils and stuff like that but um what i saw was <clears throat> in my mind just for some reason i don't know where it came from i just saw you know this this vision of a alien spacecraft kind of crash landing in this yellow field where it would you know it just crash landed and uses this massive plume of of yellow flowers um and uh yeah i just thought you know what what on earth was that that kind of that's that, that's quite cool um and i kind of parked that for a little bit um and then a couple of weeks later um where we were living at the time in a in a town called basingstoke um there's this this uh warehouse victorian village so it's literally um, a victorian village built in this massive warehouse it's kind of it's basically an aircraft uh hangar type of size you know absolutely humongous this place um but uh, yeah you know, they've got this massive victorian village there like mock victorian village and kind of as we were walking around that that vision kind of came came back to me of that and kind of i started imagining aliens walking around this victorian village i was like okay like how how do all of these things um connect and yeah, kind of the, the Milford Green story came from that, really. Wow. Okay. And and so that kind of inspired you to, to put that together. So you had that story come into place. How long did that germinate until the point where you actually then wrote a script mm. and then decided to actually take it forward into making a comic book? Yes, so it probably took me about four months to write the script, mm. um, and that is um, that's a forty-page script, um, and obviously it was my first. Also, I didn't have kids at the time, so <laughs> that helped. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so about four months before actually having the script, and then um, then it was a case of actually finding the artist um and uh originally i had reached out to this artist um uh ellie uh Bugarkis, um who's a finnish artist based in the uk um mm. she does a um or at least she did a, a web comic called tisto 
um, which uh, the art style is absolutely fantastic. Um, but she was unavailable. And so she then recommended this guy, Michael Hankinen, who um, does his own webcomic called Year and Hereafter. Um, and it's a very, very similar um, art style. I thought, okay, perfect, amazing. Um, and connected with Michael, he was keen to get on board. And Bob's your uncle. Um, he was, he was, he did the concept art and then we ran the Kickstarter, was successful. And then we went on to actually produce, produce the comic. And you put, and you get here. This is my question. This is the this is my follow up question. You did this. This came out in, uh, it was delivered in, you know, 2018, like May 2018 ish. Yes. That means you yeah. launched the Kickstarter in late 2017, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, off the top of my head. So what the heck? Because you now, since then, you've put out five different titles in the last like four years yeah yeah yeah, yeah. something like that um, what where where so you say you you have you like you got a family you got a job like where did you fit the time in to do all of this my gosh um i guess it's kind of you know <laughs> in evenings and stuff like that and i i i find it kind of very therapeutic to actually write and okay. you know and research and things like that it, it is it's really it really is you know uh, a, a passion for me um and yeah as i say it's, it's a great therapeutic outlet um so it's right. kind of evenings and whenever i can find the time and I, I really do try to be kind of as efficient as possible like even in my writing style as well so um, i will really focus on on yeah, a really sharp story outline mm. um in terms of actually using a well-formalized story structure um mm. so that when it comes to the writing of the actual script itself then i have that scaffolding to actually build off of so i don't hit any writer's blocks and things like that um so for for milford green for instance i used um the eight point story arc um, it goes by quite a few different names. I mean, Dan Harmon famously uses it, it well, used it in community, uses it for Rick and Morty. He calls it the Golden Circle, but it's a, it's an eight-point story arc um, that uh, is kind of, you know, a tried and tested thing. Um, mm. And I, I use that to create the storyline for that, um, the outline. Um, and then... Yeah, in terms of my writing style, if you look at any of my scripts um, in the in the back matter of any of my um, titles, you'll see I actually use kind of a, a, a table. Um, so literally three columns where you've got page and panel on the first column, um, description of the of the panel in the second column, and then the third column is dialogue. And so I kind of, I actually write horizontally like that instead okay. of like a screen, like a, like a screenplay style where you kind of like have everything going down. Um, it just, it just works in terms of how I actually process the information. And I feel like it just, it makes me a more efficient writer. Um, wow. If, okay. if, if, if an artist actually, you know, requested that it was transformed into, you know, a screenplay format um then that's fine that's easy but just in the process of me writing 
um, I will actually write it kind of actually like basically in an Excel spreadsheet, which is so weird when you talk about it, but it's just how I process information. <laughs> so it's, you said it's three columns. Mm. The first yeah, column, yeah. Go, go through that again for those that might be listening <laughs> to this and say, I need to rewind. Yeah. Don't worry, you're not doing to rewind. Sam is going to explain that again. So how does that go again? Exactly. So um, the first column is just the page and panel. So that's a okay. very thin column. So it's like, you know, for, for the fir first panel of the first page, it's 1.1. The second panel of the first page is 1.2, 1 1.3. Okay. Um, and then actually in between those, those pages, I will put a row across in gray um, just to separate the pages. And what I actually do sometimes in in those separations is that if there's actually a change in kind of the lighting or anything like that, you know, um, I will insert it there. You know, like the like if the sun is going down, I will put, you know, in that point, you know, uh, we're we're at dusk here right. and then, you know, and then now it's dark or something like that, you know, okay. um, something like that anyway. So back to the columns, and I've probably confused people. So first column, page and panel. Right. Second column is the description of the panel. Okay. Um, and obviously within that, like you can these days, you can link to lots of reference photos and things like that. Um, and even videos um, as well. And then the third column is your dialogue. So, okay. you know, just any dialogue that you're putting in there, or, or if it's just none. So I'll just put none if there's okay. literally, wow. literally okay. no dialogue. <laughs> and so, so you, you, you put that together, you have, you know, and, but also too, like Milford Green, there's, you have a, it's a three book series because then you have, mm. um, you have beyond Milford Green, then you have defend Milford Green. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. Was this an idea that you were going to have, you were, you were planning on, you were planning on having it to be three parts or is this the success of Milford Green made you to say, Hey, I need to keep this story going. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the, the success of it really. So, um, I mean, I, I had an open ending, um, that I had written for the mm. first Milford Green. Um, Anybody that's read it will know what that open ending is. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was an open ending. Um, so um, I kind of, you know, I had in mind that, you know, I wanted to keep the story open if it were a success. Um, also, I, I do like open endings because then the the actual reader can kind of, you know, come up with their own story of what happened after that. Um, right. It's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, no, because of the success, I was then able to write, um, beyond Milford Green and defend Milford Green um, but yeah no I did <clears throat> so once I had decided that I was going to do a, 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 a sequel so beyond Milford Green I, I, I had the absolute of doing that third one as well because I knew we'd be able to fit everything that I wanted to do in that second right. installment Wow and then so you put that out together and then at what point after you did that your your second story that you came out with was um s factor correct yes yeah yeah so that was actually my second kickstarter that i came out with um and uh yeah that uh that was unfortunate so the s factor 
it was it's a superhero uh, dating reality TV show, um, <laughs> which which I thought was a really good pitch, but apparently Kickstarter doesn't like it. Uh, well, <laughs> at least you know backers of Kickstarter were really interested, which is fine. Um, and uh, yeah, no, so I tried a Kickstarter for that, but it just didn't take, um, and it was unsuccessful. Um, however. Um, somebody that was working at Action Lab at the time actually reached out to me and said, you know, this sounds like a great um, a great story. I have no idea why it wasn't successful on Kickstarter. Um, but, you know, you're, you're welcome to actually pitch it to us. Pitched it. Um, they, they agreed to publish it. And, uh, yeah, we, we managed to publish four, um, four issues of that um through through action lab so um that was uh, it was fantastic to actually just make that story happen because i had it all sorted basically right. um, up front um and uh, yeah no that was it was it was it's it was great to see it actually you know come to fruition because i i thought it was a great well yeah i don't want to play my own trumpet i thought it was a really good idea um, <laughs> superhero dating reality TV show, and um, right. of course, so I don't, I don't know if I say it in the Kickstarter campaign page, but uh, basically, I've I've had experience of being on dating reality TV shows when I was younger, like in my early twenties. Um, I was I was on this show called um, Love on a Saturday Night. Which okay, was kind of it was like a. Um, a successor to a very successful dating um, show called Blind Date, which had been on since the 80s. And oh. they tried to kind of take it in a different direction. And what had happened um, is that on, on that show, they did like a celebrity bit. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard of the Cheeky Girls at all. No. Um, so they're these two um, Romanian twins who did this song called uh, We Are The Cheeky Girls. And you know you can you can YouTube it, just YouTube it, just put in cheeky girls, and it's like their song is called um, "Touch My Bum." <laughs> Very provocative, I know. So um, yeah, so we are the cheeky girls, you are the cheeky boys. It goes like that, basically. It's like a very simple. Uh, soundtrack and it's a, just a one-hit wonder thing but anyway <laughs> they were on this show um i i somehow managed to get picked as one of the uh the the people that would date uh one of the cheeky girls we go on this date um and like it's just a really interesting insight into actually how all that world works like everything right. is constructed right the producers have a motive in mind on absolutely everything that they film um, and they will get absolutely every angle, and you will re have to redo stuff um, uh, in order for them to capture it at every angle. Because sometimes they only have one camera right. um, because they're doing it really cheaply, and so they will like you might have had a, an actual nice intimate moment, and then they're like, "Can you do that again?" And it's like, uh, uh, "Well, that that was just a moment <laughs> in time. It's gone. It's done." But it's like, right. "Well, no, we need to capture it on the camera." It's like, okay, <laughs> but you have to repeat this moment, and you, you you kind of become an actor, but you're not like a, a trained actor or anything, and it's like, okay, this is really strange. But anyway, right. so I tried to kind of, you know, bake that into the mix of the S Factor um, based on that experience. 
And so Action Labs picked it up, and that was a four. It, that was a four issue series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and so you're getting the ball rolling at this point too, and then all of a sudden you decided mm-hmm. to do a new show. I mean, a new show, mm-hmm. a new issue. Yeah. Um, Project Hoax was your next yes. big IP that you did. Yeah, exactly. So um, Project Hoax um, was it's basically a love letter to my childhood a little bit. Um, in in the I used to have a paper round. Uh, I used to ride around with my cassette player, listening to you know the Offspring on my paper round and stuff like that. You know, and and I used to like do it on my BMX. And there used to be a local local dirt jumps, actual dirt jumps that I used to go to are called Pinewood. Um, okay. But in in Project Hopes, they're called Dogwood because um, it's the it's the demon of Dogwood Forest is um, is the local legend in Project Hopes, and and that is basically about a group of four lads um, in a you know standard British village um, who. Okay want to um, stage a hoax against um, the the school bully um, and uh, they, they get more than they bargained for when they actually pull off their uh, their hoax um, so yeah again I don't want to spoil it but it's it's kind of in a way it's kind of like a, a British strangers stranger things ish okay um, but uh, yeah so there's a lot of uh, Britishisms in there um, that that Brits will will get and and yeah every, everyone else might might be interested to, to find out. So where is your so for for those that might be listening, comic book writers that say, hey, I got a great story, I got a script. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam, how do I find the right artist to mm-hmm. help me see this project forward? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question actually because um, I, I I do really try to be specific in in which artists I'm I'm gonna be wanting for each project. As you see mm. from Milford Green, the style um, is, is is almost kind of manga esque, manga and anime esque. Um, but the the reason that I really went for that and if you look at kind of michael's um previous work before milford green and, he, and even his webcomic year and hereafter you'll see that it kind of has like he has the ability to do both period period mm. style um art as well as kind of fan- fantasy as well right. like he has fantastical creatures in there as well and things and like looking at what how I wanted to present Milford Green that was just absolutely perfect in right. terms of you know being able to show Victorian dress but also have um, uh, aliens and things at the same time and kind of combine those two um, and I can't think of any other art style that would be able to actually do that thinking about it um, really um, so that's always what I had in my mind then when it came to the S factor um, I was really looking for somebody that was kind of you know really stylized to you know the big two style basically right um, and, Chris, and Chris Panda really fit the bill on that if you if you look at his previous work um, that he's done he's, he's done a lot of really good um, cover art 
um, for instance, as well as, you know, um, lots of other good interior art. It's it's just absolutely spot on for what I wanted. And then Project Hoax. Um, so I, I wanted this, like, really dynamic. And, of course, because it's an all-ages horror comic, um, kind of almost like a cartoony impactful mm. dynamic style and dan butcher um who's, who's a fellow um uh british kind of 40-ish year old that um, right. he 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 i knew that he totally got where i was coming from with everything that we did um from because there's references to to sega mega drive in there um and also mm. one of the um uh one of the actual uh, stre- not stretch goals rewards in there is this um, USB cassette player. Oh, I don't okay. know if you've got a, a picture there at all. Did I not put a Let's picture? See. Yeah, if you keep on the oh, here it is. Oh, there you yeah. go, bingo. So yeah, we've got we got we. I managed to source this. It looks like a cassette, a tape cassette, um, <laughs> but awesome. it's got a USB key inside of it. And wow. I obviously I managed I managed to source um, cassette uh, cases as well and uh cassette j jackets as well on the nice. inside and got all that printed and all of that and like even the stickers on the actual cassette tape itself you know you have to get like the special special right. stickers for that and things and manage to source all of that and put it all together um, oh, so that, that that was a lot of fun that was really cool right. and then i managed i managed to actually get this stretch goal um with this pixel artist um, I forget the guy's name. It's like John. It'll be on the Kickstarter page there. So right. Yeah. No, you just go go back up a little bit, maybe. Or no, maybe it's in here. I think it's John Stratton or something. Um, okay. But anyway, so really, graphics. Yeah. Yeah. So he 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 does these um these pixel sixteen bit pixel art. Uh, animations on his YouTube channel, which is really like, honestly, go check it out. It's really good. It's all in the style of Streets of Rage, but he does like the uh, the end game battle scene scenes and stuff like that, cool. and you know Star Wars and all sorts. It, it's honestly, it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, but I managed to commission him through the stretch goals to do um, the front cover. Um, uh, and actually to kind of turn that into, you know, Sega Mega Drive covers and, and SNES covers as well. <laughs> That's awesome. What would be some of your advice? What were some, what would be some advice you'd give to um, mm-hmm. artists who, I mean, work comic book writers who are, who are saying, if there is a comic book writer out there that wants to do their first comic and they've saved up mm-hmm. $1,000, they saved up $1,000 to mm-hmm. launch their thing, what would your advice to be for creating a budget? What do they need to spend that thousand dollars on? Brilliant, that's a really good question. So um, you need to spend that money on getting some good concept art, um, get the right artist mm. for a start, um, one that is also going to be available <laughs> as well to do the comic. As well, make sure. I mean, most artists will kind of say what their schedule is looking like for kind of you know the next six months or even the next year or something like that. Um, But what you want to do is that you start off with the main characters of your story. So, for instance, with the with the Milford Green, is that I I commissioned Michael to do um, four or five main characters. 
Um, so just off the top of my head, uh, Alfie Fairfield, uh, who's the main male character, uh, Mary Wells, who's the main female character, um, and then uh, George Essex, who's kind of who's the antagonist. Uh, well, one of the antagonists, I should say. Um, and then uh, Lord Katov, who's kind of like the evil alien Fandalg, who is the good alien and um yeah no so it was it was just five um so five main characters and he i commissioned him to do those characters so that we could really pin down what they're going to look like also on the kickstarter it means that you can present what those characters are about kind of their personality traits and kind of you know where they're coming from and things um so that then you know, potential backers can get a sense of, you know, uh, there's there's some background to this story okay. and things. And then also I, I commissioned him obviously to do the front cover. So you want front cover as well. And then about, you know, anywhere from four to six pages as well. So that, you know, you can show potential backers that this is the the art style on the inside as well as the front cover and kind of the characters and things like that okay. as well and that pretty much probably like with a with a good level artist probably comes to about a thousand dollars maybe just shy um right. and then the rest you could you could spend on creating a nice um either a nice campaign video um if you don't have the video editing skills that is um or some advertising you know mm. you could um do do either some facebook ads um or or any other multitude of social media sites <laughs> right and, and and so how how looking at you you've had um, a lot of successful kickstarters what are some of the things you did on, say, your ninth Kickstarter that you wish that that you wished you knew to implement on your first Kickstarter? Mm, that is another good question. So, um, <clears throat> you know what? It's it's interesting. So, Kickstarter seems to seems to change every time you do it. <laughs> That's the thing, <laughs> you know, and and. The funny thing is, is that with Milford Green, I, I didn't even do that much kind of marketing before I launched. I didn't even have a following at the time, to be honest. Mm. Okay, um, wow. In any way, shape or form. I literally just launched it on Kickstarter and the community reacted to it by backing it, um, which was really incredible. Uh, the one thing I did do on the Milford Green campaign that, that might have made... A difference was kind of tweeting out to to well-known people and i got a few people um like mark miller for instance retweeted it and and people like that and, and like the and nerdist if you know nerdist the the website right. um they they retweeted it and things like that um so i got lucky with those um but in terms of yeah looking back what would i do differently um for Milford Green, I wouldn't do anything differently. Um, for my us, I think the S. What's yeah? What's interesting on the S factor is that I don't think it was necessarily presented in the right way. Um, I mm. think I probably should have gone for a different 
approach in how I actually presented what the story was as well because I think maybe people thought it was too focused kind of on the reality tv show rather than kind of like the superheroes themselves maybe or something right. like that um and maybe that's why I didn't get picked up on Kickstarter. Um, and then in terms of the others, I mean, Band of Warriors is is an interesting beast um, in itself because that's that's very different to you know the the sci-fi slant that um, that I have. It's it's obviously it's kind of it's um, historical and mythological. Um, rather right. than the sci-fi and that doesn't get as much of a um audience well, that didn't that didn't get as much of an audience and i think maybe because it's kind of it's more it's more realistic um like more historically accurate rather than kind of you know a high concept fantasy for instance um right so if you if you want to try and get a sure thing on kickstarter i would go like the the crazier the more fantastical the better i mean i i, I want to tell this story of band of warriors because i've i've had it in my head for like over 10 years basically this is it, actually band of warriors was the first story that i really started working on and i okay and I, have, and I have actually tried i did actually try at the beginning to actually um write that in prose and i do think that it would be able to be written in prose um actually so maybe i might adapt it readapt it to prose as well and kind of see see what happens there but uh yeah no i've got i've got you know obviously um three more four more four more issues to do on band of warriors to at least tell the first arc that i have in mind so did you so when you when you talked about earlier about from you writing the golden circle the you know the the eight point story arc did um project hoax did the uh band of warriors did they all mm -hmm. followed this same formula as well yeah <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah exactly um I've, I've used it on all of these uh now at the moment i'm working on a few stories um actually just a, a couple of stories that are using the eight point story arc, but I'm I'm also writing a couple of other stories that are using um, a fifteen point story arc um, Ooh, okay. that's commonly known as say as as Save the Cats. Um, right, yep. If you've ever come across that story structure at all, um, which is it's, it's a very famous um, screenwriting structure, and some people love it, some people hate it. Like you know, formula is the is, is the death of death of writing for some people, um, but uh, it's 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 just a scaffolding. That's all it is, you know. And you can of course you can go off book and kind of like circle back back round, um, but the whole point of kind of story structures like that. It's just to make sure that you're actually you're hitting these beats and it's kind of like you know if you were building a house you need to make sure it's got foundations you've got to make sure it's got structural integrity and things like that mm. you can like you can do like absolutely crazy things like on the outside but kind of you know in the in the middle of it you need to make sure that you've got got a very strong house um and and that's all it all it is to me yeah so Talk about also the the point we mentioned earlier about the 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 importance of finding the best artist that matches the style of the story. 
Um, how important, because I see that you still have uh, uh, Nicole as your editor. She's been your yes. editor since day one. Yeah. Is what is uh, what talk about the importance of having a, a an editor? That's a really good one. So, if you got any leftover from your thousand dollars, definitely, definitely hire an editor to look at your script. I mean, if if you're a writer, that I mean, if you're writing it, um, you know, you could be a writer artist. But even if you're a writer artist, definitely still get um, a, a, an editor. To, to help you out because they will see things that you won't have seen because you've just kind of, because you know the story inside and out, you might not always be able to put yourself into the reader's shoes okay. and you will miss things that, you know, you haven't actually, you're not actually able to perceive. Um, okay. And that what seems like a simple connection to you might not be, a simple connection to the reader so having an editor and nicole is a great editor um and she's i believe she's now on scout comics staff um oh cool at the moment right. as like a, as a as an editor and i believe she's like the digital digital content director as well these days um oh. but uh yeah she is fantastic at looking at a script and saying you need the you've missed these elements to it. So for instance, in Beyond Milford Green, um, she, she came back with her with her corrections and feedback as well. So not only does Nicole um, give me feedback, uh, give me corrections on kind of, you know, grammar and stuff like this, but she will also um, give me, you know, uh, two or three pages of feedback, what needs to be added and, um, stuff that's that's missing and things like that. And with Beyond Milford Green, it was a. She thought there wasn't really a scene where we saw Alfie and Mary be properly affectionate towards each other. That was just completely missing. Um, and so I ended up adding the this scene where they end up getting um, getting a cup of tea from from a machine in outer space. Mm. Um, and it's kind of borrowed from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So Arthur Dent, um, he um, gets this uh, cup of tea from this machine that he has this conversation with, and it's kind of like this whole like back and forth in, in Hitchhiker's mm -hmm. Guide to the Galaxy. But I kind of like, you know, put that in as a bit of an homage. Um, but I also used Nicole's notes on the fact that they should have this intimate moment. Um, uh, and kind of bake that into the scene and uh, yeah no, it, it worked out well and I think that's kind of that really kind of like the icing on the cake um, of it that day and it really adds some kind of I don't know just it gives okay. it an extra oomph basically yeah so in order for to, to be a successful to be a successful comic book writer as you're saying uh, to be the writer you need to make sure you have a good editor to make sure a comic book writer has a successful comic book, not only do you need an editor, you also need a good artist. Okay. And a good collaborator. So, you know, okay. that's the other thing just to kind of mention um, yeah. is that, you know, they can be a good artist, but are they a good collaborator? And it's, okay. it's kind of, you know, particularly at the beginning, it's a bit of potluck, to be honest. Um, mm. I mean, 
thankfully, Michael is the best collaborator ever. <laughs> <laughs> he was amazing. Um, just, you know, in terms of when we were creating, he really, you know, he, we, our, our um, medium of communication was um, uh, Twitter direct messaging. So we just go back okay. and forth on that. Um, and you know, he'd send me sketches, I would send feedback, he'd, he'd correct things or adjust things, and yeah, no, just he was just absolutely amazing in terms of the, yes. the collaborative process, and and you know, that's just absolute gold. So, you know, if you find a good collaborator, just you know, treat treat them with respect and, and, and make sure you keep them keep them on side and, and hopefully you get to work with them again and again and again uh, <laughs> which so we did with access uh, denied of course but right yeah and so what what what's next for for signal studios signal comics yeah so for signal comics um i've got a few irons in the fire um okay in terms of where i'm where i'm going next i mean so the next thing is band of warriors issue three okay. which will hopefully be kind of kickstarting september october probably looking more like october right now um but maybe maybe kind of late september something like that so that'll be the next release um through through signal comics and then i have a few other pitches um that are going out to publishers at the moment um one that almost got there with a with a publisher that I'd really like to work with, but uh, didn't quite make it. Um, so that that might come out with with Signal Comics next year, um, but okay. we'll see. Um, so that that was that was a shame, but I, yeah, it's a it's a fun concept. Okay. <laughs> cool. um, and then some 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 others that I am I'm very set on trying to trying to get with some well-known publishers that i think i think will probably make it to, to okay. a well-known well we'll see cool. if well, not so, then it always then you know kickstarter is always there <laughs> right so if, and uh you also have i just want to also touch to, touch you also have a really fun podcast called comics for the apocalypse thanks man yeah, so do you want to talk a, a bit about that one it's a pretty cool yeah. concept thanks man thanks yeah um so gosh when did i start this like 2019 maybe something like that like um or maybe late 2018 early 2019 so i actually came up with the concept of comics of the apocalypse after listening to this podcast called films to be buried with and i and i listened to it for quite a while actually but it's it's with this comedian called brett goldstein um he's a really funny guy he's actually in this in this um superhero movie this british superhero movie called super bob um, okay which is a lot of fun definitely go check that out that's that's actually it's a it's really fun um it's not a usual um superhero movie it's kind of like it's low budget but i mean it's high production value but it's low budget um, right. but it's really it's really funny um anyway so films to be buried with uh brett takes guests through which films they'd like to be buried with um and uh i thought that was a really fun concept and it's it's actually borrowed from another british concept um which is one of the longest running radio shows of all time called desert island discs i don't know if you ever listened to it whilst you were over here 
at all. Um, but it's it's on uh, BBC Radio Four. Okay. Um, and it's been going since the fifties, and wow. they they essentially interview guests on what music tracks um, they take onto a desert island with them. Which eight um, discs would they take with them? Um, and through that process, they they talk about their lives and kind of you know how they came to accomplish what they've accomplished and how right. they do what they do and things like that as well as you know talking about these tracks and what it means to them and things like that um but with going back to films to be buried with he had more specific questions rather than kind of you know just just eight tracks in general you know okay. what's the saddest film that you've watched what's the um the funniest um film that you've watched and things like that and so i thought i'd kind of borrow that concept and put it into comics and i came up with the idea of comics for the apocalypse that's awesome and, and uh yeah you've got these specific questions and we're over 150 shows now and i've had some amazing creators on um to say the least it's been wild that i got got to interview all these people like from from david lloyd and charlie adlard to, to heather antos and rachel smith and and right. and all that jazz it's, it's pretty gnarly and so what's uh so uh so your next project, as you said, is going to be Band of Wars issue number three. That's coming out. Mm. So, so make sure if if people want to follow and find more of your work, what's the best place that they can connect with you? Yeah, best place to start is Twitter. Um, okay, so Samuel G. London on Twitter. Um, and then you can always go to signalcomics.com and kind of, you know, go off to all of the social media sites from there. As we were kind of, we were speaking about off air, um, I, I, I need to update that website quite badly, um, which is rather terrible. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's still somewhat functional. So it'll get you to the places that you need to go. Um, uh, and then other than that, you should be able to also follow me on Kickstarter as well um okay if you actually yeah. you know click on any of the kickstarter pages via um uh via the signal comics website it will take you to to the campaign pages and you can follow me there um right basically cool excellent well thank you very much sam for coming on and i'll tell you what uh, september when you uh start talking about uh Band of Warriors, come come on in. We'll we'll chat more about it. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, we can get get into yeah. the detail of it and kind of, you know, where where the inspiration of that came from. That's quite a quite a long winded story. So yeah, definitely not for now. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to come back on right. the show. And I'm I'm so looking forward to getting you on on comics for the apocalypse, Barney. That's gonna be yeah. that's gonna be awesome. <laughs> That'd be fun. All right, thanks a lot, Sam. Take it easy, man. Good to speak. Okay, I will. <laughs> uh, my intro. I usually uh, sometimes I'll put in award winning, but uh, oh yeah, yeah. if you a, can, if you can, but yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like it. I'll put I'll put celebrated. There we go. That's good. Celebrated. That's a perfect. That's a perfect. That's see. There you go. <laughs> you should be a realtor. <laughs>
all about the upsell. All right, here we go. So, uh, so Samuel George London, you go by Sam. All right, all right, here we go. All right.